0: Since times before history, we've been gathering around our fires to tell stories. Join us as we play through multiple role-playing game systems, looking for one that's the perfect fit for our next campaign, and hopefully showing you some options that are out there for your own games. Welcome to the Fireside Stories. Hello, Barbarians! This is Rainy. And I'm Santiago. And today we're playing part two of our Blackwind RPG Fireside Story. Welcome back. So last time in our playthrough of Spaceblood Arena, Solto was purchased by a gladiator school on Siri Prime, went through training and was set against one of his training mates for the final test to determine if he would be granted status as a gladiator of the School of the Falcon.
1: And he was successful in that endeavor. True.
0: So, um, joining the gladiators in sort of their common area, he learned a bit about what was going on with the school and with... Sort of the political climate in general. And learned that shortly they would be set against the gladiators from the School of the Eagle. Because Lenzel is interested in testing his new lineup of gladiators.
1: Yeah, and interestingly enough, Alana was from the School of the Eagle. True. That was pretty cool. A little bit of a
0: twist. So... Why don't you give people a heads up about Solto's voice?
1: Okay, last time I didn't really prepare, and I like to do uh, a voice or an accent for each one of my characters. It helps me get into playing that character, but also allows uh, some easy differentiation between my speaking voice and the character speaking. And I didn't really prepare that, so I spent some time offline And came up with what I think would work. So I think I have a voice for Solto now. So I'm going to be using that for this episode and going forward for this uh, entire Fireside story. Just FYI.
0: Yeah, I think that's good. In the first session, you really were developing your character. So it makes sense that it took a little bit to decide what he sounded like.
1: Right. I think we got it dialed in, though.
0: All right. So... Not a week after you are branded, with the mark of the falcon still setting on your skin, another fight has already been arranged. Lensel wishes his newly inducted gladiators to measure up against the rivals from the School of the Eagle, and it's more than clear you're expected to crush them utterly. This is the first time since your arrival that you're leaving the school grounds proper and going to a different arena. You are chained to each other by Vitor and led to the belly of a small hover ship. There are no windows, but you can hear the din of the city bustling outside the metallic wall around you, just beyond your reach. And at last, you're welcomed into a small rectangular indoor arena where Quint, owner of the rival school, and his trainer, Karzan the Brute, are waiting together with their own branded gladiators. Around you, an immense crowd, seated on the upper galleries cheers and whistles, roaring as your names are announced one by one. So, as the crowd is screaming, there's a little bit of organization that's happening within the schools. You can see gladiators are being divided up into teams for the individual fights. And what they are doing because they are pitting you and your fellows as the new gladiators against the established gladiators of the School of the Eagle, of their champions. So you find yourself being paired off along with the other gladiators that you came in with um, and a very deeply tanned man kind of medium height so much shorter than you um he's bald and he has a bunch of angular tattoos is directed over to where you are waiting to be your partner for this round
1: so i'm i'm paired off with uh, a, a large man with angular tattoos nope no
0: i said he is medium height so a lot shorter than you bald and decorated with odd angular tattoos a bald
1: man okay Cool. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad we recapped that.
0: And as he looks up at you to prepare to be your fighting partner in this melee, he kind of bows slightly, and he says, Ah, uh, friend, I am Tonas of Aldebaran.
1: Well, Merthanos, your reputation precedes you. Aldebaran is quite formidable foes. He says in his broken, um, common Patois language, <laughs> because um, that's the best that he can speak in this uh, in this language that he's recently picked up.
0: And as the rest of the gladiators are paired off, it becomes clear that you and Thonus are going to be the last fighters in this arena circuit. Oh, shit. We're the main event. Apparently so.
1: That's pretty cool. I was not expecting to be a headliner so soon.
0: For better or worse.
1: Now, his name is Thonos. Thonus. Thonus. Okay. Like Thanos, but flipped around. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he's going to snap his fingers and increase the population of the universe by
0: 50%. Well, that's what happens when he takes his armor off. Okay. (laughs) Just kidding.
1: Or I guess it's like Thomas with an N.
0: Yeah, sort of. Yeah. It's like Thomas with an N. Bonus. And Vitor comes around with your weapons. You guys already have your preferred armor on. Why don't you let us know a little bit about what Solto would have requested for his armor?
1: ah yes solto is a dex based fighter so he is quick and multi-strikey and very targeted and very hard to nail down but he is also all about um redirecting your opponent's force and also um Dealing with incoming attacks and tackles and stuff like that with throws and dodges and that sort of thing. So his armor is going to be very light, very minimal, favoring um, movement and speed and quickness over um, heavy armor, you know, tanky sort of uh, traditionally tanky sort of stuff. So
0: does it look somewhat like your military outfit would have looked?
1: Yes, I would say that uh, it, it would look like that, where it would be um, trousers with utilitarian pockets uh, that taper down and, and are sort of fitted and go into some rugged but light boots that are about ankle height and for the uh, the chest piece, now normally he would have um, like a chest rig that would carry various uh, implements and technology and weapons and so on. But here he only has his two weapons, so really he he would just have more of um, an armored sort of um, harness almost, in true gladiator fashion, with like the one shoulder. Uh, armored up that for his offhand shoulder and maybe some more, um, gosh, what do they call it? The bracers, you know, on the forearm and the glove. And the most important aspect that he would be interested in requesting is the Calusian special forces that he was a part of would armor their claws. Because both hands, each of his six fingers on each hand, are are tipped with retractable, razor-sharp, wicked claws. Not unlike, you know, tiger claws or similar. And the special forces reinforce those by coating them in a special coating that not only enhances their durability, but also their sharpness. So just to make them that much more deadly, sort of a, you know, technology, you know, combination of, Mylar, graphene, carbon fiber, titanium, etc. sci fi terms <laughs> that make them that much more formidable as slashing and gripping uh, not only weapons but tools. That's what he would mostly request. But like I said, the, the big takeaways are his pants that are very flexible that allow his. Uh, his legs to do their thing, carrying him through charges, leaps, dashes, and dodges. But also the off-arm being armored so that he can redirect uh, incoming blows with that safely. And then also his claws reinforced not only as weapons, but so that they can sink into stone, softer metals. Anything that corridors and columns and stuff like that might be constructed of to allow him to climb that much faster. And that would be all for hands and feet as well. Um, Again, to allow for that climbing and stuff.
0: Thonis, you notice, is not what you would consider traditionally armored. He's wearing uh, billowing clothing, complete with a cloak. Um, and the fabric seems very light and airy. And as Vitor comes around to provide you with your weapons, you notice that the main one he's preparing as he kind of winds the fine silver chain around his hand looks something like um, a metal dart connected to a length of chain.
1: Mm, I see. So I kind of... RP that uh, I've heard of this guy's uh, homeworld before in that the warriors that are known to come from there are quite capable. Um, do I know anything then, therefore, or was it just sort of a compliment that I was paying this guy or perhaps a bluff?
0: Well, as you know, on any world there are many cultures and many ways, of fighting in many areas to fight in. True. Um, But based on his dress and his weapon of choice, he would place him among um, the relatively famous desert nomads of that region, who are known to be able to strike like scorpions from a distance and move very quickly and in a way that makes it difficult to place the exact location of their nimble bodies
1: Hmm. okay so already trying to come up with a battle plan since i have to fight this guy
0: well you're fighting with him you guys are teamed up
1: oh i'm fighting with this guy
0: yep so they're pairing two inexperienced gladiators to fight one of the champions from the school of the eagle
1: okay so this guy's from my same school
0: yes we're both falcons yes
1: okay yeah good to know this guy this guy's gonna be my teammate
0: yes good thing i was
1: nice to him
0: (laughs) (laughs) the new falcon gladiators are being paired up and are facing off against established champions of the school of the eagle lenzel is intent on testing his new gladiators against a rival school And so you notice he, like, tucks a few darts not connected to chains into various folds of the fabric of his clothing. And he's wearing what look like very lightweight sort of sandals that are strapped securely to his feet. Mm.
1: That's cool. So I also am wearing what would seem to be sandals. They're just more like um, ankle wraps but with like a reinforced bottom sort of a half boot sort of deal because your toes have to be able to stick out to be able to grab onto things and your claws to extend for kicking attacks but also mostly for climbing and so on
0: so as you and the thonus wait at the end of the line for the school of the falcon you see the first group go up The first pair of your fellows moves out into the arena to face off against the first champion from the School of the Eagle. You can see their opponent is a short, stocky, but otherwise ordinary looking man, a man who would look absolutely unassuming if it wasn't for the maddened way he stares back at his opponents from the other side of the arena. He's holding two glowing short swords, one in each hand. The fight that ensues is a relatively straightforward one, from your vantage point. Um, The opponent from the School of the Eagle is relying on brute strength and large swings from either of his weapons to try to take down his opponents. And your fellows from the School of the Falcon are able to easily best him. And you do note that the fights do not seem to be fights to the death, they are to submission.
1: Oh, that's a relief actually
0: so as he is bested the crowd roars and the next champion from the school of the eagle is brought out and this one is a sallow sickly looking man and unlike the other gladiators including those on your side you see he's not really wearing any armor he's wearing some basic underclothes hmm And he's not carrying anything that you would recognize as a weapon. Although you do see a strange star-shaped metallic device in one of his hands. Uh Uh-oh. And two from the School of the Falcon approach. They bow to each other in the arena. And the fight is called. And you can see immediately that this one is going much differently than the last. The star-shaped device seems to be some sort of thrown weapon that returns to his hand as part of the, like, apex of the launch. Oh, shit. It's the guy from Kroll. And um, you can see that, although once again, at the end of the fight he is bested, one of the members of the Falcon team are cut so badly across their chest that you are unsure that they will survive until medical care can be given back at school.
1: Okay. Wow, yeah, this guy's going to be tough. If if we end up facing him, I mean. It's cool that we get to see what's going on beforehand if that's what's going on here.
0: Then the third fight is called From the School of the Eagle side, you see an almost unhealthily lanky tall woman. She's armed with two daggers. One looks like it was carved out of some sort of ivory-like tusk. The other is made from some black talon-like material. Both gleam menacingly. And the way that she moves is disconcerting. She almost skitters spider-like across the sand with her long limbs. And once again, this fight does not go quite as the first one did. As the woman makes her first strike moving confusingly across the surface of the sand towards one of the falcon gladiators, you notice that Her strike immediately leads to a blackening and sort of fractal spreading pattern from the wound. It's obvious that her weapons are poisoned.
1: Wow. This lady's venomous.
0: And this time, unlike the other fights, both gladiators from the School of the Falcon are defeated. And the woman is declared the victor. The person calling the arena fight yells out her name Ispa the thief and she kind of pops up from where she was kind of four-legged on the sand and makes a languid sort of bow and then moves back towards her school's side it looks like from what you're seeing they started with their least Champion and are increasing in prowess as they go. The fourth fight, the last fight before yours. You see from the side of the school, the eagle, a man so pale, his skin almost glows against the golden sand of the arena. He's armed with a trident and a net, and he wears nothing but a spiky metallic harness and a tattered loincloth. And, based on his weapons, the fighting style that he takes is very predictable. Entraps with his net, moves in to stab with his trident. Um, And this fight goes on for a long time with many wounds on both sides before the fight is called. And he is successfully defeated by your friends in the School of the Falcon. Although, no lives are lost on either side and they bow to each other most respectably before they leave the arena floor. And then it is your turn to move out onto the stand, or sorry, and then it is your turn to move out onto the sand with Thonis. Okay. And you see almost, not anxiously, but sort of a tick that he has is to unwind and rewind the chain from his weapon around his hand.
1: Okay. So, as Salto engages in his pre-fight ritual of kneeling to get a handful of the arena sand and consider his upcoming bout while he lets it drain through his fingers and then dry-washing his hands with the sand as the rest of it runs out he'll flex and extend his claws and retract them while he discusses the strategy the general strategy because we don't know who we're fighting right now right is that is that true
0: um you'll see the fighter as you're both let into the arena and there will be a short time for the crowd to react and everyone to be announced before the fight begins
1: okay so as as a general strategy He'll tell uh, Thonus if, if he's not already familiar with Solto's particulars, you know, because he sees that Thonus is ranged, basically. So he's going to let Thonus know, you know, what he's into as far as combat is concerned. So he'll, as he's going about his ritual, he'll, he'll tell him. Thonus, I get in close and do my best work there. I've—I understand that you are most effective from a distance. Yes.
0: Yes, I try not to get too close.
1: You can leave that to me. Just don't hit me while you're about it, and nudge him with the uh, the old elbow a little bit.
0: Well, anything for the crowd, you know. <laughs> Kidding, my friend. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, Is all kidding aside, I'd hate to taste one of your blades in me. Uh, However, if it becomes necessary, do not hesitate.
0: I am interested to see who they have paired us against, since they have picked two of the fastest gladiators on the Falcon side to face them.
1: As am I, my friend. Now... We will have to see who we are up against before we plan our strategy further.
0: And as you're led onto the sands, the crowd roars as your last opponent enters the arena. Your opponent is a proud, tall woman wearing magnificent mirrored armor. She thrusts up her fist, saluting the audience. But as she does, you notice that the long sword she's holding glows white with heat, burning a black streak next to her feet as she swipes it through the sand. And your eyes briefly meet hers as she turns to face you. And although you cannot see her face under her mirrored mask, you can swear she's smirking somewhere under that helmet.
1: OK. Thanos. You keep her, wear her down from a distance. I'll keep her occupied and away from you. I will probe her defense and not engage directly immediately. But while you wear her down, and then we will have to adjust from there. As I'm sure you know, no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy. So we will have to play this by ear.
0: And you hear the announcer kind of as you're checking in with Thonis. And he says, and as you all know, in the final fight of the day, we like to make things a little more interesting. And the crowd screams because they know what's coming next, even if you don't. And there's a familiar sound as those lasers that you had to dodge in the training room kind of rise up and displace the sand that was covering them. Nice. So it appears that at certain times during the battle you will perhaps also be faced with dodging random projectiles from these laser cannons. Okay. Well I feel like
1: Thonis went through the same training as I did. Yes. so he should he should be familiar with all this. So I don't I don't need to explain any of that to him.
0: Yeah, as the laser cannons sort of rise up out of the sand, Thonis mostly to himself, says, Ah, this will be a dance. Solto
1: will just nod. In agreement.
0: Alright, so. The fight is called to begin. You are the highest ranking character since we're playing solo. So you will get to react first. Is there anything you would like to do?
1: Yes, he's going to immediately launch uh, an offense as fast as he possibly can. He needs to close the distance with this opponent and engage with her directly. Um, But he wants to do so in a harrying sort of way. He doesn't want to engage in a sort of melee kind of thing. He doesn't understand the properties of her weapon so far, and it seems to have seared the sand when she made her little flourish. So it could be that... I might not even be able to block this weapon if she's, you know, armed with some kind of lightsaber or or something like that. So bearing that in mind, I'm going to go for a ninja-style attack in terms of dashing not only up to but not stopping, going past her and making a strike before rounding and coming back. I'm going to rely on my speed to try and harry her and hold her attention so that she's not able to attack Thonis.
0: I think that's fair.
1: So my specific attack is going to be with the spike end because she's armored. I'm going to see if the spike end of my axe can breach her armor. And I'm going to go for something quick and low, maybe like the calf or something like that to see if I can puncture that armor. You know, right at the right at the juncture of the the, the back of the knee as a vulnerable spot in the armor see if i can get through it
0: all right i would say for that attack we'll make it moderate on the first hit you're moving first she hasn't attacked with her weapon yet you're just trying to kind of breach her initial defenses so i need you to roll a four or lower oh
1: okay i'll see if i can roll a four or lower. I rolled a one! Hussa.
0: All right, so she is going to... All right, you bring in the point of your weapon deftly, and you feel it connect with her mirrored armor, um, marring the surface of the armor paneling on her thigh.
1: Ah, okay.
0: And as she feels that pressure, she kind of definitely moves away from you, um, preventing you from really catching it and tearing it any more than you really did with kind of denting it. But she looks down and sort of shakes her head at you, but her eyes are still smiling.
1: Hmm. She has time to do all of this as I dash past her and hit her with that and, and continue on. Okay. Yeah. That's... That's very telling. She's very quick as well. I would, would be my assessment right now.
0: Right as you move past her, you trigger one of the lasers. I need you to make a on roll dodge check to see if you can get out of the way.
1: Here we go. Ooh, six. <laughs> I think I was a little
0: focused. All right. So one of the lasers. Um is able to strike you as you run past your opponent. Your focus is very much on her and not on the laser cannons that seem to be either randomly or proximity-wise triggered. That's not been established yet. All right, so one hit for you one hit for her. As you dash past her, only to be struck by one of the stingy, not too bad, but definitely distracting lasers, Donis runs in with his dart and he is able to kind of sling it deftly from his hand. It knocks against the armor of her torso and then zips back to him super quickly. And as he dances away on the sand, you see him continuing to wrap it around his hand to prepare for the next attack. All right. So your opponent spins to face you, where you are still kind of padding out some of the singed fur <laughs> mm-hmm. from the laser and You've moved away from her in your attack, you ran past her. Right. And you see that she swings her sword at you from far away. And this sort of energy is unleashed from the weapon and it flies towards you. It appears her sword also works in a ranged capacity.
1: Mm, you lion's bite type of thing.
0: So I'm gonna give you an opportunity to try to dodge this wave of energy. Okay,
1: so we're gonna go with an on-roll dodge again, much like the laser, except this time, it's an oncoming uh, energy sword range strike.
0: Two. All right, you weren't expecting this wave of energy, but you are able to sort of fold yourself almost out of the way and duck under the kind of linear lance of energy that spreads forth from her blade. And you are not hit this time. All right, we are back to you.
1: Okay. Once again, Solto is going to turn on the speed, but seeing as how she can attack from a distance, he's going to have to get up in her face more, I think, to occupy her attention fully, to keep her off of um, Thonis, as as per the plan. So he's going to run up and attack in in, in a more stationary, you know, traditional format. So let's see, how would he attack? So his attacks are all about multiple strikes with feints and misdirection and stuff like that. So as part of his dashing up to her and skidding to uh, a stop right next to her. He would go for another faint strike with the axe, come back around with with the dagger and sort of a slash, and then come back over the top with the axe as uh, testing the helmet sort of uh, portion of her armor. Mm-hmm. With again with the spike because the spike side of the axe is way more effective. Um, for uh, for armored opponents. So going right at that eye slit with that spike and an overhand kind of chop. Okay. And that's another one, boys and girls.
0: All right. So with your attack, you're able to get inside her blade range and work to... Render, because you were going for the helmet, right? Yes. The armor on her head um, a little less effective. And as you plunge your point into it, you're able to rip it away. And the uh, kind of short, sweat-slicked hair underneath is exposed. And you can see that she's grinning at you. And although very much taller, her face is almost a mirror of Alana's. What? Okay, (laughs) cool. And she smiles at you in a way that, at this point, you're very familiar with.
1: I see. Sister, mother, something like that, auntie, who knows? Clone, I don't know
0: and as the helmet tumbles away kind of reflecting light in various directions one of the laser cannons goes off and the distracted thonus watching all of this unfold is struck and taking advantage of this sort of distraction that's occurring you see the woman gladiator Come bend backwards away from you and slash her blade kind of in a circle behind her sending a blast of energy towards Thonis and knocking him down in the sand
1: nice the o- overhead kind of combing her hair back sort of motion yeah as she strikes out with her ranged sword awesome
0: all right and she laughs as she regains her composure and sort of hops back away from you on the sand, go ahead.
1: So I know that her armor is not impervious to my strikes. I need to get rid of, if that's her only weapon, at least that I can tell right now, I wanna try to get rid of that uh, next. So as she's coming back around from striking at uh, Thonis with that awesome comb your hair back sort of maneuver, it's it's describing kind of an arc towards me. So I'd like to redirect that with the dagger hand and make a vicious chop right at the wrist. I mean, I'm going full tilt here. So if um it it I'm not necessarily planning on slicing through armor, flesh and bone to like completely dishand her. You're not trying to luke her? Not trying to Luke her. I'm not trying not to. It's just not my <laughs> expectation. My expectation is that the armor will absorb the bulk of it, but getting hit right at the junction of that wrist will cause enough damage that she will drop her weapon. I'm trying to okay. disarm her, and I don't think it'll lop her hand off, but I will think that just the shock and the force of that blow, especially lining it up as I'm trying to do by redirecting her incoming strike with my dagger... It, it lets me have a perfect like line of sight right on that joint, and I just think the shock from it will uh, be enough to numb her hand, if not break her wrist or both, and and have her drop her sword and not be able to wield it with that hand. Is what I'm going for. Okay. Defang the snake. Oh, here we go.
0: Another one. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> All right. So you are able to bring your weapon down onto her wrist, and she's not able to parry it with her weapon. Um, And she does let go of it briefly, but it seems like only to fling it into her other hand. But you do notice the way that she shakes her limb um, that the hand that you struck may have been rendered quite useless.
1: Excellent. Soto will now respond with a grin of his own because that was masterfully struck in his professional estimation. So she's been grinning the whole time. He's also going to grin at her as well like you're not the only one who's a professional at this lady.
0: She smiles back at you. And over the din of the crowd, you can actually hear, because she's trying to interact with you a bit, she says, now it's just the two of us. Wait, what? (laughs) Because (laughs) Thonis was kind of knocked out in the sand.
1: Oh, he didn't just get knocked down. He's actually like, okay. Yeah,
0: you haven't seen him get back up.
1: He's, He's sawing some logs. Okay, wow. Fair enough.
0: All right. And it is her turn.
1: Yes, it is.
0: All right. She strikes out at you, now offhand, with her blade, and does so deftly. Would you like to try to parry or dodge it or anything like that?
1: I'm absolutely going to try to parry it. Um, Okay. That's it, up close like this. It's it's less about dodge and it's more about redirecting those incoming things to expose an advantage for a counter strike. Sure. So that's definitely what he's going to try to do.
0: Okay. Go ahead.
1: All right. So um, I am a little confused though. This is still defensive, so this does But
0: it's with your weapon. True. So, so I feel like that's what makes it your specialty, and not. And you you are. From a certain
1: point of view, attacking their incoming attack. You're not doing a force on force, you know, classical sword fight from the movies, like ching, ching, kind of block. Right. You know, but you are doing a, you know, whatever angle is, you're arcing in behind it and redirecting it away from you. Right. So it is kind
0: of an attack. All right,
1: cool. Let's see what happens. Can we get another one? No, but we can get a two.
0: All right, so you bring up your weapon in time to deflect her blade. What you notice is as your blade touches hers, the white hot blade that she holds starts to bite into and melt into your own weapon.
1: Not entirely unexpected. So this is not catching Solto by surprise.
0: And let's see if there's any laser action. Lasers. No lasers this time. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> All right. And she continues to push the attack with her blade against yours. She's pushing forward. Go ahead and try something. Tell me what you want to do.
1: Okay. So anytime someone's pushing against your weapon, you can always turn the angle and let it slide past. Mm-hmm. So he's going, if, if she's pushing into his dagger, it's, you know, child play for his martial arts style to turn it so that it can slide past and as he turns that bring the axe down again for another you know wrist chop but
0: yeah we'll see how child's play it is right
1: but that <laughs> is just a feint because he uh, knows that he just did that attack so spamming that same attack against the formidable, formidable opponent is probably not the most advisable course of action that's just a feint what he's really gonna do is throw a vicious elbow right into her freaking nose
0: (laughs) nice all right go for it
1: ooh three coming up in the world not in a good way
0: (laughs) (laughs) so you turn the blade and she turns with you and is able to bring her blade across your chest Uh uh-oh and there is a searing pain as you feel it burn in mm. um, but then once again she hops away gives you a, like a slight bow as she wants this fight to continue
1: Well, wow, my first two nipples are neatly bisected <laughs>
0: <laughs> alright let's see no lasers still alright what would you like to do
1: so she she danced away from me a little bit, quite nimbly.
0: Yeah, you've both been kind of hit by the other a couple of times at mm-hmm. this point, um, but you're the battle is still on at this point. So I threw
1: a, I threw a vicious, uh, supposedly unexpected elbow and. As she turned with my blade turning and hit me instead, that kind of whiff, I'm guessing, yeah, is what happened. Your roll okay. is insufficient. No, that's that's fine. I just I just want to you know recap of where we ended up, and, and then after that she danced away. Yep. So she's
0: like kind of giving you a chance to to recover and, and come at her, bro.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Well, Solto is going to completely ignore his wound. It, it's sort of ingrained in them that you keep fighting until you're incapable of doing so. Because if you think you can't continue, you're probably wrong, but your brain's gonna think that you're right. So it just disregards that and registers um, the data as damage and pain, but he's really schooled in ignoring such things as a, as a warrior of prowess. So he is going to really turn on the speed now. I think heretofore, we haven't really seen what Calusian's Special Forces are capable of in terms of speed. When these guys want to move, it is like freaking terrifying. So he's going to sprint at her as fast as he possibly can. And unlike before where it's run past, he's going to try something new at this point and go for, like, a leg sweep type of kick to see if he can knock her prone. Okay. And here we go. One.
0: All right. As you begin to move towards her, you can see her start to try to weave her blade defensively but she's not fast enough, not for the true speed of the Colusian special forces. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so describe your hit that you're able to make. So it's pretty, pretty awesome that the
1: way that their biology works, they're very cat-like, super flexible. It's almost like they're, They have no bones. Their bones are extremely strong and capable of withstanding and imparting tremendous force. But because of the way their joints work, some of them are floating, and some of them are not entirely articulated the way we may be used to, they have almost a serpentine kind of aspect to the way they're able to move. So not only can they move with blinding speed and linearly, they can also cut and change directions with their claws, digging into the different uh, surfaces that they're on. And they can also turn a flat out sprint into a spin at speed in ways that are very disorienting so this is what he does he sprints up as fast as he can possibly accelerate with all of his strength and at the last moment because as he's doing this his legs are carrying him forward and they're just a blur of motion he's also wielding his weapons in a very you know almost kata like way that is very distracting and you don't know which angle the attack is going to come from and at the last possible instant drops down and spins around kicking the back of one leg out to catch the back of his heel behind the back of her heel and kick her feet out from under her and continue the spin around to be in a, you know, looming over the top of you ready to keep attacking now that you're hopefully on your back sort of stance
0: all right so as you knock her down taking a position that would allow you to continue to press the attack you can see her blade goes from that white hot look to a cold matte blue gray and she kind of gives you a, a nod and sort of a questioning look kind of saying, like, can I get up? Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah,
1: She gave me a chance. I'll give her the chance as well, especially because I feel like as soon as she, like, had her feet swept out from under her and crashed to her back, the crowd probably would have surged forward with more, you know, cheering and stuff like that. That was pretty cool. Right. You know, but much like they did when she slashed me across the chest and danced away, the expectation is you draw it out, you know what I mean? You don't end your opponent, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, <clears throat> so like I said, you continue the circular motion of the leg sweep around and come over your opponent in that. In that and I see her, like, nod and questioning, you know, uh, expression. And as such, I'll continue that spin around in sort of a spinning leap and land back in a, in a, in a defensive position.
0: All right. And as you kind of leap back, landing in your very exciting fashion for the crowd, um, you see that she kind of moves slowly to her feet with her weapon at her side, um, it takes one step back, and bows to you while laughing. Hmm. Um, And she calls out to you, and she says, we're fighting new gladiators. They told me I'd only earn a stripe today if I defeated both of you. And I can tell you honestly, champion, I don't think I could beat both of you today. But I've left my mark. Hopefully, we will meet again. And she bows once more and turns and walks away from you towards the eagle side of the arena. And the crowd screams at your victory. Okay. And you notice, as all that is going on, that on your slave collar... There is now a shimmering red ring signaling your first true victory as a gladiator.
1: Oh, nice. Maybe that's what she meant by a stripe or a mark or what have you. That she'd only get a stripe if if she beat us both? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably what she's talking about. (laughs) That's freaking cool. Okay. That's good. I'm I'm glad I was able to not, you know, murder her because... I would have felt bad about that. I genuinely would have felt bad. Honestly, there may have been tears.
0: And you see an underling, really little more than a child, run out into the sand to grab her dented helmet and bring it back for her. Okay. And it appears the fight is over. And you can tell as you walk back to your side, those that won their fights Some of them do not sport the stripe that you now do on their collars. Mm. It looks like, um, sort of as a training endeavor, that this was granted to you only because you functionally faced her one-on-one.
1: Ah, I see. Now that makes sense.
0: But you can also see that although your fight was not to the death, and although they may not have been specifically claimed as fights to the death, The fighting style of some of the opponents has meant the end for some of your fellows Mm -hmm. on the School of the Falcon team. And some have succumbed to poison and others to wounds. So not all were as lucky as you were this day.
1: Luck had nothing to do with it.
0: (laughs) Actually, it did, because I rolled dice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, so you are put back into the windowless hovercraft and brought back to your own home arena. There, those of you that are injured but still living are brought into a room for medical attention, and here... For the first time, you meet who you've been told about previously, the woman Madeline.
1: Oh, Lensol's daughter.
0: Yes. Who, along with the other medical staff of the uh, uh, gladiator school, moves in to assess and treat wounds. And for you, whose a pair of your set of nipples have been marred, And there is a nasty gash across your chest um, with bits of, like, sand, like, almost fused to glass inside of it.
1: Mm, Nasty wound.
0: Um, And so she moves towards you to kind of start cleaning it out and apply a poultice. And she's extraordinarily beautiful. Um, And as she works to heal you, um, she smiles um, and she says... So, how was it out there? Your first time in the real arena, right?
1: True, but I'm no stranger to combat. It was about par for the course. Although, the laser turrets were quite a surprise. The crowd did seem to love it, though. I seem to be warming to my role as a gladiator a little bit. So, understanding the dynamic that it's it's entertainment, so I kind of am getting on board with that.
0: Yeah, and you can see her sort of recoil at that a little bit. She's like, it truly is a a terrible sport.
1: For those of us who have no choice, it's the only path to freedom.
0: Yes, some of us work to hope there will be another way.
1: Hmm, interesting, Solto thinks. This may be an ally. It could also be a trap.
0: So she finishes putting the poultice into the wound after she cleans it out, debrides the the dead and burnt tissue away, and pulls out the shards of sand glass.
1: All of which sounds extremely painful. I don't know if she administered any sort of local anesthetic or offered any painkillers but I'm going to have to grit my teeth if not, because damn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it is a painful process, but the poultice she puts on at the end is soothing and kind of cools the, the hot pain that you feel. And she touches you tenderly, like on the chest as she places the bandage and says... I hope we don't have to meet again due to injury and I hope you feel you heal quickly.
1: Thank you. What's her name again? Madeline. Madeline. Thank you, Madeline. I hope so as well. I'm going to look into her eyes to see if there's any um, alternate meaning to uh, her... I hope we don't have to meet under these circumstances again. Is she meaning to imply I hope we can meet under other circumstances or not, is what I'm trying to determine.
0: Um, what kind of role do you think that would be? Oh, for, for Solto, that's gonna
1: be, um, probably off, off role. All right. There would, there would be another member of his squad when inserted, um, that would handle dealing with the local politics and all that kind of stuff. So, not really his right. cup of tea.
0: All right. So, why don't you go ahead and make that roll then?
1: All right. Now for me, that's a D twenty in this system. So, <laughs> because I specialize. <laughs> so, we're gonna see what happens here. <laughs> but he's—it's—it's it's not like he's actively doing anything. So, the chances of it backfiring catastrophically are pretty slim. You know, he's just—he's just looking to see if he can ascertain something. So, that's a key. Factor here, I think.
0: Six. That's barely enough to be successful. Good job. On your obviously skilled rolling. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> yeah. Like, has to do that. like,
1: <laughs> that's why I said that in Solto's voice. Yeah. You know, like, you know, for him it was all his skill and everything. Yeah.
0: For me, yeah. Plain as a but dice. Nothing but dice. <laughs> all right. But and dice. so as you look into her face, you see a sincere sadness at the state of this whole business and a true interest. She's intrigued by you and you're not sure to what end, but it definitely seems that she is hoping to meet you again under better circumstances. One of the assistants ushers you back to the gladiator common room where you can see the other survivors and the veterans who weren't part of this fight um, are all, you know, once again, talking and eating. It's not the same sort of party atmosphere as the previous time um, where they're welcoming new gladiators. It's a little bit more somber, especially as gladiators have been lost in this series of fights. But it's still friendly. Um, And you can see that many of them are talking around the table. Some of them are playing some sort of game with cards and chits um, at one of the other tables. And they welcome you back in seeing that you've been patched up.
1: Excellent. I think I'll get some, some fine Calusian tea, if possible. Because now I'm a full-fledged gladiator in the Order of the Falcon. So I should be able to have that kind of stuff. I don't know if it's had time to get here yet, though. Right. Uh, It's a bit of a jaunt.
0: It does look like um, Vitor has sourced some treats from home for you. Um, And especially in light of your earning your first glowing ring upon your collar. Um, many of them are trying out Colusian treats huh, nice. as part of the celebration today. <laughs> cool. All right. So you sit down and a few of them are already talking. It seems that something of intrigue has happened out in the world while you are away at the arena.
1: Is it the kind of thing where it's like, turn on the TV, and you just turn it on, and it just happens to be right in the middle of a news broadcast that tells you exactly what's happening?
0: No, um, only because it's something that probably wouldn't, they wouldn't want broadcast,
1: the, uh, those involved. This, this is more scuttlebutt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm.
0: And so, once again, um, as it was on the previous occasion, it's the large really barbarian-looking woman with red hair and red eyes who kind of looks up at you and kind of loops you in on what they were talking about. And she says, rumor has it the resistance made an attempt to assassinate Turg.
1: Turg the Stranger. Emperor Turg. Got it.
0: Yes. They failed, of course. They always do. But... Many who organized the assassination attempt, it seems, were caught and Traxu tortured and killed them. Despite this horror, it seems none of them talked. I heard that one of them even had poison in a fake tooth that they used rather than betraying their comrades.
1: (laughs) Well, Solto will... uh... He's standing there he's got his uh, tea in, in one hand and he'll, he'll make a fist and thump it against his you know chest in a, a sign of respect and sort of wince because he forgot that he sustained a slash there recently as he does it.
0: And then you know some of the fellows look up at you so how is your wound?
1: He has his hand there already could rubbing at it and wincing I've sustained worse.
0: Did, uh, you meet Madeline this time?
1: Indeed I did. I have her to thank for this handiwork as he gestures to the poulticed and bandaged slash across the breadth of his chest.
0: Some say that she seems more absent-minded lately. I think she's been fighting with her father, but some are saying that she's upset by the is going on with the Resistance. Although no one can say for sure if she has any real ties.
1: She did seem mostly sad. It is not entirely implausible to imagine that she may have lost some compatriots in this recent turn of events.
0: And as the doors open, you notice that most of them sort of hush in talking about Madeline as Lensel himself walks into the room.
1: I don't know if Salto could suppress uh, a growl at, at the sight of him. Because something about Lensel just really rubs him the wrong way. He just does not like that guy.
0: Yes, and from within his many chins, he mostly ignores your remark, assuming it's part of your primitive language.
1: Well, that And I'm like, you know, kind of far away. I'm not like yeah. right next to him. But yeah, no. <laughs> it wouldn't necessarily be discernible from the, the general method of speech that Calusian employ.
0: Right. And so he looks around the room and he says, is the wine and food to your pleasure today, gladiators? And many of them like don't really respond, but kind of raise their glasses and, you know, whatever. And he says, pleasure slaves for any of you or entertainment. And most of them seem to kind of ignore most of what he's asking for. Some of the contract ones seem more interested in, you know, dealing with him. But definitely the others who wear collars like you do are mostly disinterested in what he has to offer. So, you
1: know how sometimes you'll pet a cat along its back and you can see a wave of their skin going along behind your hand and that translates into a wave of their fur. Right. You can literally see their skin crawling. Now that's probably an expression of uh, a pleasurable feeling in that instance. But for Solto, he can't suppress a skin crawling. Like his skin literally crawls in, and and. and this just line of fur waves and ripples down his whole body. At the the notion that there's such a thing as a pleasure slave, I mean, he would have been familiar with the idea, but that for this dude to just throw it out there so casually almost makes him sick because that is completely counter to everything that he's about and. The, the the idea of that is just completely reprehensible to him. And so if he sees anyone like, oh one pleasure slave, please, like he'll he'll know like, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> like, you know, or or a girl, whatever.
0: Right. And like I said, a couple of the contract gladiators seem to chat with him a little bit about the food requests and stuff like that. And one of them even accepts a pleasure slave. Um, But, like, most of those who are callers kind of just politely decline from responding to him. And so, seeming not to want to be here for too long, this is, he looks around at, like, the dingy interior and the sweaty bodies that inhabit this place. And he says, well, don't forget, I have already put down your payments To claim as your own should you earn your freedom. Fight well for us, friends. Fight well.
1: Ugh, that guy. Terrible. Okay. Uh, I mean, I feel like I would remark as such, because I'm I'm standing next to the uh, tall, barbaric uh, woman with the red hair and red eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I I would remark as much Uh, after... My skin literally crawling in revulsion. (laughs) If that wasn't apparent, maybe that's just, you know, people don't know that that's what that means necessarily. Right. But I would definitely remark to her, something about that man just makes me feel dipped in rancid oil.
0: And she looks at you and says, and she kind of touches her collar. She says, None of us truly love him. Uh, What he sets us up to do is not honorable. But from what I've heard in my time here, Falcon treats theirs better than most of the schools do. So at least there's that.
1: At least there's that, he would remark. Noting the Pleasure Slave being led into the one guy who was, you know, like, yes, please. And and then say, at what cost?
0: Because you you watch him and the barbarian woman. Her name is Aya, by the way. uh, She looks at you and says, "Ah, that's Maxima, the cunning
1: Pleasure Slave Guy is Maxima the Cunning?
0: Maxima, so without the eye.
1: Oh, so not like a, a Nissan sedan, but... Right,
0: or like when we're part of the badge has fallen off. Oh, right. <laughs> but, um, and you note, as you kind of memorize his look, he is wiry with red skin and pitch black eyes. Easy to recognize. Yeah,
1: Maxma. Looks like magma. Okay.
0: All right. And as Lensel leaves the room, the door is held open for him by none other than Markleys, the trainer. And he joins in on the feast for a while. Although he is older and not up for staying up too late compared to some of you. And seeing him now kind of more in his plain clothes, it's easier to see the, the many scars that he has from his time in the arena himself. Um, and so as he prepares to leave the room, he asks you all to please Raise your cups once for those who are slain today, by you or otherwise. Remember them always.
1: Hmm. It is very solemn. Yes. So Solta will draw himself up to his full height, which is a sign of respect in his culture, and bow his head and raise his glass high, or teacup, what have you.
0: And there's no one who doesn't raise their glass, but you notice that the ones in callers do it more earnestly it seems than the contract gladiators and markleys excuses himself and retires for the evening and the other gladiators tell you usually there's a bit of a rest and before you'll be asked to go in the arena again although with this last battle against school of the eagle that didn't really happen it was less than a week so we'll see what lensel is up to
1: It could be another rapid-fire bout on another homeworld somewhere, uh, in another arena. Who knows?
0: It's already late when Lenzel returns to the school some days later. He's accompanied by a noble with fine facial features that betray a dissolute life. You catch bits and pieces of their conversation. The man is apparently named Nexul, and he's Lord of Nexulus, one of the many satellites of Siri Prime. It seems he's organizing a private celebration that Traxu himself will attend, and he plans to prepare a special hunt in his honor. Lenzel initially laughs, stating that his gladiators are too precious to be butchered like animals. Not to mention that such a fight would not earn them any rings. Nexel mutters something, producing a small satchel from under his robes. It looks heavy, and Lenzel seems paralyzed for a moment before accepting it. A number of gladiators are rounded up, and the whole time this is happening, Mark is protesting heatedly. You can see Madeline watching from the shade of the galleries in the practice arena area, shaking her head and leaving in a hurry. And you are once again led to a small hovership waiting just outside the school. The next hours spent in dour silence, broken only by the low droning of the propeller. You land seemingly in the middle of nowhere on a small platform surrounded by thick forest. And you are equipped with blades and spears by a very concerned looking vitor. Then the ship takes off, leaving you alone in almost complete darkness that your feline eyes, even your eyes, have some trouble adjusting to, but you do after a time. The ship takes off, um, a horn echoes from somewhere up ahead, signaling that the hunt has begun.
1: Hmm. Indeed it has for Sulto's strategy is to become the hunter.
0: And that's where we'll pick up next time.
1: I can hardly wait. That sounds really cool.
0: All right. So I did just for your notes, I did make a little bit of adjustments to this last kind of main fight scene that you're in. They were supposed to be solo fights, but since you were so fresh into the gladiator thing, and it was really about testing the new recruits, um, I put you guys in teams to still give you some time to get into the fighting system that we're using for this one. Um, but you think you did really well. Thank and you. I like that you strategize because that lets me adjust some of the difficulties and everything. So that's very cool.
1: Yeah, this one pretty cool. I think uh, we were able to kick the cinematography up a notch mm. and that was uh, really nice. I had a little more, freedom of expression. So that was pretty fun. And the combat was really enjoyable. So it's interesting to, to see what um, a more social character would play like in this system. So seems pretty rad so far.
0: Yeah, if you guys are liking our adventure, our fireside story so far, um, definitely check the link in the description where we will... Show you where to find the Blackwind RPG core rules and the module that we are using for this adventure, um, because it does offer a lot of flexibility if you want to make some changes. And again, right now we're playing it with a single player, um, but coming up pretty soon we're going to be expanding that so that you can see how it works with multiple players as well.
1: And that'll be pretty cool, multiple players, man. Huh. Let a player play.
0: <laughs> but yeah. Um, if you don't want to check the links, you can also go to drivethroughrpg.com and search for Blackwind RPG and find it there. If you guys are enjoying this story and you do want to help us make more and better content, you can also check us out on patreon.com slash things. Or you can leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and make sure to subscribe so that you catch the rest of this adventure.
1: Yeah, leaving a review is free and it really helps us out a lot. So win, lose or draw, let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you.
0: And if you just want to let us know that you're listening or otherwise engage with us on the interwebs, again, this is Rainy and you can find me on Twitter at
1: Barbarian Rainy. I'm Santiago. You can catch up with me at Rangugiri.
0: And again, those links to our social medias are also in the description if you want to check it out. So until next time, when we take up the hunt, spend your rage wisely.
1: I mean or don't, you have shiny armor and a lightsaber. What's the worst that could happen?